Elijah's rebuke to the people of Israel to stop faltering between two opinions and choose whom they would follow is the focus of this edition of Shi'ar Jashub. Today, Pastor Greg Scalzo will be continuing a sermon in his series on heavenly authority. When we left off, Pastor was reading this section in 1 Kings chapter 18 and speaking about the tendency of Christians to compromise with the world. Let's return to the service at Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle. To celebrate something that is so anti-Christian, the focus of so much evil is on Halloween, and yet in this country, how many Christian families send their kids out with a little bag? How many Christians go to the door and give candy? Why? They don't want to look like they're not part of the crowd. They don't want to appear like there's something different. So the temptation is to compromise. How dangerous can it be? How harmful can it be? It's just innocent fun. It's not innocent fun. You don't offer your children to a holiday whose specific purpose is to worship Satan. And that's what Halloween is. But how long will you falter between two opinions? And that's, that's one event that summarizes really an American attitude that goes on well past Halloween. There is such a pressure to live a little bit in the world and a little bit in Jesus Christ. To have just enough of Jesus to feel happy about ourselves, to feel like good people, and still do all the things, all the seductions, obviously in moderation of the world. And that's what Elijah is preaching against right here. That's how it applies in New Testament times. And that's the calling of any minister that truly, truly serves the Lord Jesus Christ, is to, as Elijah did, bring the people to the point of showing them how intellectually indefensible their position is. It makes no sense. If Jesus Christ is God, know his word, follow his word, do his work. If you really believe he saved you on the cross, if you really believe he rose from the dead, if you really believe he's coming in power and authority and that he will judge the living and the dead, then why would you not want to live for him all out, 100% all the time? How will we answer him in the judgment seat when we say to him, well, you know, I sang songs for you, Lord, and I read your Bible, Lord, and I told people about you, Lord, and he starts to show all the evil we've done as we try to be part of the world and compromise with the world. There's no answer to it. It's indefensible. But it's somehow a logic that our brain grabs for when we're trying to really what? Cover over the sin we want to keep in our hearts. There's that one thing we like. We want to fit in. We don't want to be too extreme. We want to be looked upon as being nice people that just go along with all the things in our society. And so we compromise. And we mix a little bit of the world, a little of Baal, with a little bit of the things of Yahweh. And it's indefensible. It's illogical. And any church that does not bring the people to understand that, to understand that this is a serious matter. This is not playing at church. Because one of the commandments is you cannot take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And worse than cursing, which is the, you know, the general way that that uh, commandment is taken, 
Worse than that is when we as Christians take the name of Jesus Christ and it's vanity, emptiness. There's nothing behind it because we like a little bit of the things of Baal and we don't want to go all the way. So don't tell me anything else. The people are silent. They don't know what to say because they want to embrace a little bit. They're confused. A lot of the people must be confused in Israel. If they see their priests, their kings, worshiping Baal, they don't know what to believe. When the people see the ministers and the, those who are preachers of the word compromising, they get confused. They don't know what to believe. Well, here Elijah calls them to have a challenge. He said to the people, uh, verse 22, I alone am left the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Uh, therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, put it on the wood, but no fire. I will prepare the other, put it on the wood, no fire, and let us call the name of our gods. You call the name of your gods, I'll call the name of the Lord, and we'll see which God answers with fire. Who is the true God, the real God? And the prophets of Baal, they do this, they prepare the bull, and they're from morning until noontime, they dance around saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. There's no voice answering them. So they leap more, they cry more, they dance around. And Elijah mocks them. He says, Cry louder, for if he is a god, either he is meditating or he is busy, or he's on a journey. So they cry louder, they cut themselves, which was a pagan practice. They're going to make a sacrifice, and they cut themselves. And they go on from midday until the evening offering, and there's no answer. And then Elijah calls the people near to him. He repairs the altar of the Lord that had been broken down as the people forgot Yahweh. And he takes 12 stones, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he builds an altar, and he has a trench dug around it, and he tells them to throw water on it. I believe he does it three times to show there's no trickery. This soaked, wet sacrifice... God can still set on fire. And then when it came time for the evening offering, Elijah the prophet comes near and he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And they seize the prophets of Baal and they execute them. The calling of those in heavenly authority to challenge the people not to stay any longer, not to wallow any longer in indecision or what they think is a type of decision but is really indecision because their lives do not line up with the Word of God. Their commitment is not 100% to Jesus Christ. They love the money too much. They love their sex too much. They love the friendship of the world too much. And Satan will use that as a foothold in any life to destroy a family, to destroy a community, to destroy a church. 
ministers are called to be like Elijah, not being the friend of the world, not winning a popularity contest, not being like a politician. When you see sometimes large churches that are built upon a politician ministry that just doesn't say much about anything, but appeals to everyone and puts no one under the sense that God is bringing judgment upon the world, there's a danger. Size and popularity are not what the Word of God is about. Elijah is there all by himself, but he starts something that helps to change the nation of Israel. Go all the way, commit, purify your faith. That is the message of heavenly authority. And there are so many other lessons we can learn from Elijah. You see the power of the Holy Spirit this man worked under. But we have time for just one more as it relates to our study. After calling down fire from heaven, having the Israelites wake up and seize the prophets of Baal and execute them, he prophetically declares, declares the end of the three-year drought and it comes to pass. And in the Spirit of God, he even outruns Ahab's chariot as Ahab flees back to Jezebel. After all that, we read in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Now you know from verse 46 above that Elijah runs ahead. Possibly he hears her reaction. Also how he, Elijah, had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, who is not afraid by all that's happened, sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life and he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down on the broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my fathers. All that power displayed, all that anointing of the Holy Spirit, before all Israel, all that faith to believe for the fire of God to come down out of heaven, and possibly he hears her reaction, he certainly receives her messenger, but she is so evil and so demonic, he senses the anger the hatred, the power behind this woman, demonic and governmental, she's still the king's wife, right? That the great prophet Elijah runs out of fear. Not only that, but when he finally stops, he goes, oh, woe to me. Uh, it's enough. I can't take anymore. Now, Lord, take my life. I want to die. I'm no better than my fathers. I'm a failure just like them. Fear, despair, just plain tired. Failure, the, the feeling of failure, not being able to complete what he started. All these things are encompassed in his attitude as he sits there under that tree and he's just given up. Now, it's unreasonable from a godly, from a worldly point of view, it's very reasonable. When you have the king's wife with all her armies set against you, and a woman that has demonic power because she's a servant of Baal, she's a servant of Satan, it's understandable. 
from a godly point of view, you say, well, wait a second, you just called down fire from heaven. Why are you so afraid of her? And you can imagine all the demons attacking Elijah at this point at the command of the woman to tempt him, to try to get him to give up. In such despair that he, he forsakes life, he gives up, he just wants to die and go to the Lord. And that's human nature. All too often, uh, it's characteristic at some time of those in service to the Lord, uh, it's ministry burnout. That's the phrase used today in the church, ministry burnout. You know, in the churches, the divorce rate among ministers is at least as large as in the world, and I've heard some reports that say it's higher. Too often, the children of ministers just give up and they can't take anymore, and they become worse than the children of the world. Uh, how many times you see ministers as they get older, uh, they fall into some type of sin, and all the work they've done, and all the hard labor, you start off with this idealistic young man who wants to change the world, and he's hoping that everything can happen in the name of Jesus, and little by little time goes on, and you know, who is the devil going to attack? Is the devil going to attack some Christian that is in name only and doesn't tell anybody about the Lord and acts like the world and nobody would even know he's a Christian? Or is the devil going to focus all his energy on those that are trying to proclaim the Word of God? Elijah is a threat here, right? He's turning Israel back to Yahweh, which means Satan will have no place. Who are the demons going to attack? Elijah. You can find information about Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle on the web. The address is www.shiarjeshub.org. It is a great site to share with your friends for serious Bible study. May the Lord Jesus bless you as you serve Him.